laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Who huh? should have this person locked up and looked at? Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Murs and David Horning on this week's episode. And then I came up with my mother's ashes joke because uh, someone at work was like, my mom was pretty pissed at me. I knocked over a vase and I was like, I can relate. I knocked over a vase and it spilled my mom's ashes. Let's be honest. Work sucks. There's a reason we don't look forward to Monday mornings and we look forward to Friday nights. But what if we could change that? That's why there's water cooler comedy. Did you know that incorporating humor into your work makes you more creative, more innovative, and more collaborative? Well, that's why we bring in professional comedians to break up the monotony of the work week with a fun comedy show. Or you can bring in a keynote speaker to share new ideas for how to incorporate humor into the everyday activities of the workplace. Or we have a program called Creative Kickoffs, where we start your day, your meeting, your Monday by bringing your team together with improv exercises and fun team building activities. It's water cooler comedy. You can find us on social media, on Twitter at Comedy Cooler, on Instagram at Water Cooler Comedy, and on our website at watercoolercomedy.org because work is the time and place to laugh. Uh, this episode, we are lucky enough to have this beautiful, beautiful young boy, Brett Thomas, as our guest on You Can't Laugh at That. Hi, Brett. Hey, how's it going, everybody? I'm fantastic. Steve, how are you? I'm doing great. Great. Jeremy in the booth? Hi. Perfect. All right. And that's all we'll hear from him this episode. (laughs) (laughs) We gave him one line, and and he chose just, hi, and uh, we're just going to roll with that, I think. Right. Uh, today, you can't laugh at that. Uh, just as a quick reminder, if this is the first episode you're listening to, uh, this is the podcast that takes topics that you can't laugh at and finds ways to be able to laugh at them. And today, we are going to talk about the lighthearted, upbeat, uh, fantastical topic of death. The death metal band Death? That's a different episode. We'll bring you back for that. Okay. We'll just do an hour on one band right. and how they're hilarious. Thrill Kill Cult, Cradle of Filth, Cannibal Corpse, Slayer. <laughs> what was we did one? Uh, we did the different the band names. Uh, we did a metal show, and I tried to come up with band names for metal Bar- bands. Barbed wire fetus. What was one like Hitler's sandwich or something? <laughs> like I don't. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we're gonna talk today a little bit about death, and uh, you might be wondering why we brought Brett in for this episode, and uh, we are going to play a clip from a set that Brett recently did. Brett, would you like to introduce the clip? Yeah. Um, first off, the audience is pretty bad. <laughs> uh, second of all, I forget where I recorded it because it's only audio. Uh, it's towards the end of my set, and uh, let's see how they like it. I finally got to play a game of catch with my father. I threw a ball up against his headstone. <laughs> I don't feel bad he finally has time now. <laughs> I'm going to end on a good one. When you guys laugh and say... You know what, I don't regret going to the comedy show. Now, you have another joke about uh, about ashes? Yeah. Do you want me to say it? Yeah, let's go for it. It's a quick joke. It's a good joke. I uh, recently spilt my mother's ashes. Uh, she's a smoker, which is why she's dead. <laughs> I think that was the first joke I've heard from you. Like, ever, that I was like, oh, this guy's pretty funny. Yeah. Same thing with the headstone. Yeah, the headstone. I mean, usually you do them together, right? Yeah, I like to keep my parents together. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, there's there's layers to that. Um, Brett 
you know, tell us a little bit more about yourself and uh, like why that joke became a thing. Um, well, my parents like deceased. Uh, like my mom died when I was nine of uh, kidney cancer, and then my dad died when I was fourteen of a heart attack. But I never really could live with them to begin with. Like I was raised by my grandmother from like age one to eleven, and I like, lived my grandpa, and then like my grandpa died. And then, like, when I was 11, my grandma died of lung cancer, and I moved in with my aunt. <clears throat> and I recently moved out into Cleveland. And so, like, I don't know, I'm kind of desensitized to death. It just kind of happens. Been to quite a bit of funerals. And so, like, so, the, so that's where that joke came from. I mean, uh, did you always find, I mean, you say you're desensitized to, to death. Like, what, you, did you always use humor as kind of like a coping mechanism for it? Yeah, I think I did. Like, I always tried to be in the kid in school that I'd try to make everyone laugh or do something stupid to get everyone laugh, even if I was, like, making fun of myself. So, so you were the class clown. When did you start, like, I mean, how long have you, you've only been doing comedy for, what, like, two, three years? Three years. Did you start with that joke? Was that, like, one of your original No. Um, one of my first jokes was... Uh, I walked up to the mic stand and I was like, I've practiced for hours my set and this is my first time, but I didn't have a chance to practice taking the mic out of the stand. <laughs> <laughs> do you leave it in the whole time or no, do you like I fumble took, with it? I took it out. <laughs> I, I, I fumbled with it, but it wasn't on purpose because yeah. I didn't get to practice. <clears throat> but, uh, I came up with my dad joke because I worked at this car wash and I was asking everyone, I was like, what are you guys doing for Father's Day? And they're like, we're going out to dinner. We're doing this. And I was like, oh, I'm playing a catch with my dad. Uh, I, I'm throwing a ball up against his headstone. And how did that go over? Everyone laughed. And so you were like, I'm going to put this on my side like right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, was, just... it was around Father's Day too. Do you tell that joke every Father's Day? Yeah. yeah. When it's like Father's Day, I get to be like, so for Father's Day, I got to. Um, and then I came with my mother's ashes joke because uh, someone at work was like, my mom was pretty pissed at me. I knocked over a vase and I was like, I can relate. I knocked over a vase and it spilt my mom's ashes. Did you like how many times did you have to rewrite that to get it to where it is? I mean, because it's pretty simple. You don't even go through the whole vase thing anymore. Uh, probably a few times. And, like, whenever I do a joke, like, the fat of the joke just naturally, like, cuts itself off because I'll be performing. I'm like, I guess I don't need this part. And I try without that part. And then I take it out. When uh, when people don't laugh at those jokes, you just power through. You just sit there in silence for a minute. <clears throat> Because you're you're one of the most comfortable with silence that like and I and I respect that Thanks. about you because like I like when he I looks get, around the room yeah he'll just look you'll look around and that is hilarious yeah just in it so you don't have to say anything mm-hmm. and because uh, you. you have that grin on your face right. and it's yeah. like yeah. Uh, <laughs> when, when there's like when I when a joke of mine doesn't land I, I instinctually I just I just. Plot word through. vomit yeah, yeah I just I'm you know that I, wasn't a joke uh, I just yeah, keep going uh, 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 totally I'm not even a comedian <laughs> Some, sometimes I do die inside yeah like uh, one time I did a joke and it didn't work and I just stood there and stared and then this woman yelled out do you know how to finish and which doesn't even make sense but uh, I wanted. I, I came up with like a tag later for that, and I should have said no. That's why I don't have any kids. It doesn't like I hate when you're in the moment and you don't have anything good for them, but then right when you get off stage, it's just like ah, oh, so funny. Usually, it's the audacity of that audience member that catches you by surprise. You're like fucking really, yeah. Like, and instead of being clever, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. It, it's hard to block that out. Yeah, it's. What really gets me, it's not the guys and it's not the young women. It's like the older women that like just have like such like a nasty like voice yeah. that like yep. one time I did my playing catch a dad joke and I was already bombing pretty hard. And then some woman yelled out and like it was just so like aggressive. She had to like take like a breath. She was like, that was mean. Did you respond to that? No, it's pretty new still. Yeah. When people, I mean, do you get 
people heckling after that joke frequently, or does that happen? One time I was performing at this place, and uh, the owners let people still play pool. So, like, you looked at the audience, and behind the audience is, like, playing pool. And, like, I did the jokes. They weren't paying attention. And then when I did those jokes, this woman was, like, yelling. But, like, she wasn't, like, yelling at me. She was, like, complaining about me. Like, I wasn't in the room. She's like, that's awful. <laughs> and then, like, one time after, I remember I was doing a set in Youngstown. I was leaving. This woman came up to me. and was like, hey, uh, you're pretty funny. Oh, which is accurate. And so, <laughs> No, but until, and then she's like, until you start doing your stuff about your parents. I got like more in depth with it too. Like I riffed a little bit and she was like, I was sitting next to my friend and his parents just died in a car accident together and he didn't like them. He didn't appreciate it. And I was like, well, you know, it's about my parents. And then she was like, yeah, but he was upset. And I was like, yeah, but it was my parents. And then she was like, we just never know who's in the audience. You never know who's on stage. Yeah. I should have said, well, probably our parents are together laughing from heaven right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Our parents would have loved this joke. Oh, my God. (laughs) Good job, man. That was funny. Because either they're not hearing it or they're, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're in heaven. Shut off. So, like, Yeah. Like, now, uh, I've heard you tell that story before. Um the uh, you never know who's in the audience. And I think one line, you, one time you had a punchline for that, like as that setup. What, 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 do you remember what that was, or do you use it? No. I feel like that would be a great joke in a set. Just like you never know who's in the audience, <laughs> and it'd be like my parents. Oh yeah, I do now. I think I remember that you said, because it made me laugh so hard, and I was like, man, you should definitely do that on stage. Because it's, it's such a funny tag, especially because, you know, you, there's always going to be people in the audience that just react like that to that joke. I mean, like death is an uncomfortable topic for people. Yeah. Like this one time, this woman came up to me and was like, hey, I she's like, I almost cried when you did your mom joke because I just lost my mom. But I'm not upset because I get it. Yeah. Boom. That was a good response. Yeah. Like she just. Yeah. She Hope. wanted to let you know, but also that she like she wasn't a bitch. <laughs> hope she do. Hope she's doing well. Yeah. Shout out to her. When like bad stuff like that happens, is humor is it, has that always been your response to it? Like, it, does that help you? Like, what helps you? Humor. Yeah. Being able to just make light of yeah heavy topics. Laughing can make you feel like a million bucks. Yeah. Like uh, I haven't been paying my electric bill. So, like, I got, like, a notice saying they were going to shove my electric if I don't pay it in a week. And, like, at work, I just, like, making jokes with my coworkers. I was like, let's, like, movie parodies but electric bill. And then, like, the best one I think I had was I know who didn't pay their electric bill last summer. <laughs> it was me. Yeah. That's good. Thanks. I mean, you... That's like that's the whole reason I'm I got into comedy in the first place. Just the, the the catharsis of it, like being able to just kind of overcome things that are happening in my life just by laughing at them. And then if I can get other people to laugh at them, now we have a shared experience, and I'm not alone in this. Like I don't know if either of you feel that way. I can see why people are distressed by something, but it's also like you are going to a comedy show, and you should understand that you could hear just about anything. And that's just what it is. I mean, you know. I think we're pretty lucky to, like, where we live in a country where we can get offended. Because, like, there's, like, countries where people are, like, dying of dehydration because they get diarrhea and they don't have any clean water to drink. And, like, you think those people are going to care about, like, an abortion joke? Right. Boom. You're making a lot of good points today, Brett. Thanks for being here. No yeah. problem. <laughs> Man. We don't think about dysentery enough. I think about that all the time. Somebody could like Yelp reviews. Like, what do you think people in like Zimbabwe <laughs> feel about Yelp reviews? I mean, if they had Yelp, I mean, it'd probably be sad. Like, they'd be, like they would have like Yelp for like yeah. fresh water sources and be like, it's <laughs> <laughs> like con- contaminated. Don't go there. <laughs> Which would be useful, but like. I would only like follow a Yelp review if like someone was like, "Yeah, I went there and I got stabbed." But even then, I'd be like, "Well, you're probably an asshole." 
<laughs> guys, he deserved it. There was a there was a thing on Facebook yesterday for that one chef Massimo Batura or whatever his <coughs> name is, and he uh, they were talking about. He was like, yeah, or he's doing like a master class, right, for cooking. Yeah. And this lady, she was like, we went to his restaurant, and it was like the servers were slovenly. The food was was nothing special, and the bill was outrageous. I'm like, well, you went to like a three Michelin star restaurant in Italy. I stopped complaining about being on vacation. Like somewhere, and you went to an expensive ass restaurant. Just shut the fuck up. Sorry, you were mildly inconvenienced. Yeah, sorry about this. Your tragedy in rustic Europe. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Sebastian Mascoco is a good bet. He's like, when, if I don't like the restaurant, I don't go home and go tell on it on the internet. Yeah, yeah. It's it's such an easy like we can just do that you just you can do it while you're in the restaurant rather than actually like dealing with the uh the manager like talking to a manager yeah. do you but, think it's like in a level of like entitlement yeah oh 100 because i mean bad shit's gonna happen i'm paying my money i paid hard-earned money for it. i'm sure the food was fine and everything and who cares about the weights st- i mean sure whatever but Hush, Karen. That's what I put. I put hush, Karen. Well, I I do. Uh, I'm on a Yelp page <laughs> right now for a funeral home. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that has one star. Oh my god! <laughs> and I haven't I haven't read any of these in advance, so these might be oh. completely ridiculous. But oh uh, here we go. Um, Beverly, Beverly S. Uh, first to review this place. Careless, thoughtless, sloppy. These are not the characteristics you want at your time of grief. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Setting up a prepaid contract took multiple phone calls to remind them of my deadline, urge them to follow up, insist on their intention. They assured me that they frequently work with mortuaries in other cities, and yet their communication with the Denver funeral director was inept. They got the death date wrong in the newspaper, and misspelled the last name on the minuscule refund check. They have a virtual monopoly in the Cleveland area, but I do not recommend them. Could you imagine getting, like, your name misspelled in your your uh, your obituary? Just like, this is the last thing that anyone's ever going to post about you, and they got it wrong. And the worst part is you get to see it happen because you're dead. Yeah, because um, you can see everything when you're dead. You know, you know, it'd be funny if on one of those reviews it's like, you know what the real tragedy here is? There were no paper towels in the bathroom. Right. It's like, shut the fuck up. Right. I've literally been to a funeral where there was a woman on the phone, and I had no idea who this woman was. And she was like, the worst thing happened to me today. I'm at a funeral, like, which is where that sentence should end. Uh, but it didn't. And she's like, I'm at a funeral, and the chicken was dry. It's like, really? <laughs> That has nothing to do with the funeral home. What are you, like, come on. That's the worst thing that happened to you today? <laughs> do you want to hear a funny funeral story that I have? Yeah. I was uh, at my uncle's, and, like, he liked chocolate. And uh, and so, like, there's chocolate everywhere in this bag of M&M's. And we're on the way to the burial site, and I was in the car with my uncle. I was sitting in the front seat, and we're driving down the expressway. And, like, I was pouring out M&M's, and I spilt, like, a bunch down, like, in between the seats and center console of his trailblazer. And I was trying to get him. I couldn't get him. He's like, don't worry, Brett. We'll get him when we get out. And then I just put him away, and, like, a couple minutes later, it's like, I really want some M&M's. So I get them, and I pour them out on my hand, and then, like, one comes out, and I see it on the edge of my hand, and, like, life glows in, like, slow motion, and it falls down, and, like, I look down, I look up at him, and he's like, hey, Brett, give me that bag of M&M's, and he takes the bag and just throws them out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Typical funeral stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Too soon. Like I, I went to a funeral and uh, and like everybody was sad as you do as you do and uh, there were just these kids running around chasing each other and I was like I kind of want to like chase those kids <laughs> like I I don't I'm sick of being around these depressed adults like 
I would, those kids are having fun. They like, let's do this. They can't grasp death, right? Here's the thing, though, and, and uh, like people are uptight about the topic, but it happens to everybody. It's yeah. it's one of the very few things that we share with every single human being on this planet. So whether you like somebody, you don't like somebody, whether you believe in the same thing or not, we all end up in the same place. We all have, you know, that's, it ends. That's what can bring us together. But yet, you know, not being able to laugh at it kind of, it's like, why would you resist it? That's, it's like, you know, yeah. laughing about airline food. Like we've all experienced airline food. Mm. Chicken parm on Delta is terrible. Yeah. Ugh. Really? I've never had, I've never been on an airplane. Really? Well. My friend who died in a car accident always used to tell me how afraid of flying in airplanes he was. That's ironic as hell. Yeah. That's one way. I mean, that's. I always told him you're more likely to die in a car accident. He's like, I don't care. I'm like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> Look at him now. Yeah, I didn't. Didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I did not go to his funeral because I had already gone to a funeral of someone close to me, and I don't want to do it ever again. Yeah, I'm sick of seeing dead bodies. Yeah, ah, oh, the open casket, man. Uh, it's just like why. It traumatized me. Yeah, why would you, why? Because when someone dies prematurely, that's when it's traumatizing. When it's dying of old age, dying in your 70s, 80s, that's, I can deal with that. Right. My grandma looked so much better than my ex-girlfriend. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> it's like there's not much, you know. I don't understand the the appeal of doing an open casket. It's like, or like the belief just, behind it. It's just like, one last chance. Here's proof! Yeah. It's like one last chance, because... Funerals are supposed to be like a celebration of life, not like, I mean, you're sad, but you're not supposed to be like, I think the best part of funerals is like when people go up and like tell stories about the person. Mm-hmm. But yeah. It's like a roast. Yeah. Like, hey, they owe me money. Is, <laughs> am I going to talk to this person's son, please? <laughs> so, I'd like work. to say a few words. Installment plan. We can make this work. I know he just died, so I'll give you some time, but I really need it. <laughs> but, it but, but we made this bet years before. I'm just waiting. Right. It was a, it was a death pool. Um, no, funerals are a, a fun topic. Uh, I, like, so I went, th- I mean, I, I have my own experiences with death in my own life. Uh, first of all, the first time I, I realized that the sadness is almost unwarranted was when my grandmother died. My grandmother died when I was eight. And uh, she was always a ray of sunshine. And, like, everybody was sad and I didn't get it. And uh, and so during the funeral, like, I didn't understand. I was like, why is everyone crying? We're in a limo. <laughs> yeah. What, what? Like, I've always wanted to be in a limo. Why? What, aren't you guys happy to be in this limo, too? Like, what's wrong with you? Grandma would have wanted this us to be happy. Like, come on. Um, that... And then uh, when uh, my my aunt was killed uh, when I was in college, um, and uh, she was actually murdered, which is, uh, that's fun, right? Um, was it your uncle? No, it was actually her daughter that did it. My uncle was already dead. Oh, damn. Yeah. But her daughter paid somebody because uh, she wanted her mother's money, essentially. And uh, so her daughter, like, promised $5,000 of her mom's money if you kill my mom. Anyway, um, so it was like a, what what were you going to say? No, I'll let you go. A couple questions about the whole situation. Sure, sure. Uh, We'll we'll get back to that. But um, it was, was, I mean, obviously tough because it was so sudden. Um, I mean, we never thought that she was capable of actually murdering somebody. Uh, she was a pain in the ass. You know, we didn't enjoy spending time with her, but, you know, you never think that someone's about to kill somebody. How did how did everything happen? Like, how did she get caught? How'd that guy get caught? Because I watch a lot of, like, murder stuff, and, like, when someone that has no motive, well, she had the motive, but the guy that did it, um, he would have no motive or ties to her, so it'd be harder to find him unless there's like camera footage or oh. someone spotted his vehicle. So how did that all happen? It was poorly executed, oh. very poorly executed. Um, so they, my cousin called her mom to come pick her up because she was staying in the project with this like shady dude, and her mom had been trying to get her to like, come home and yeah and like live with her and go back to school, and. Uh, <coughs> 
So she calls her mom and is like, you know, I want to I want to come stay the night with you. We'll talk, you know, but you have to come pick me up because I don't have a car. So her mom, Christy, uh, goes to pick her up. And the uh, minute she gets out of the car, she is jumped from behind. Uh, and this dude stabs her like 16 times and then runs away. It turns out this guy is friends with her boyfriend. He was in the apartment before the, the mom came. He was in the apartment and he runs out the back door, jumps, jumps Christy from behind, stabs her, runs into the woods, throws the knife into the woods throws the clothes that he was wearing into the woods and then goes back into the apartment. So the giant butcher knife in the kitchen is missing. And this dude is just wearing like a t-shirt and shorts and is like out of breath. And like you could tell he had just been like when the cops came because they Taylor called the cops and was just like, my mom's been stabbed. He had mud on his shoes. Yeah, right? I mean, it was, they they all confessed within hours. It was not a, an expertly executed crime. And that was the first thing that I was able to laugh at, just how stupid the whole thing was. Um, And the fact that the police arrive and she's like, "Uh, where are my mom's car keys? I need her car keys. Because she was just going to like take the car and like, I don't know, go. I don't know what she thought was going to happen, to be honest with you. Um, She's going to go to the bank and try to get the money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I bet that probably would have been what she was going to do. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just poorly executed. So the so you have the dumb criminal aspect, and there's actually an episode of Snapped about it. Um, so if you want to ever look that up, they did um, an episode on her. Yeah, yeah, and none of none of the family that this is one of the best parts too. Well, there were a couple things. It's super hokey the way they do those episodes. Like uh, before every commercial, they want to leave you on a cliffhanger, like a dramatic oh, cliffhanger. Jesus. So it's like Christy would uh, would leave home. But she would never return. And then it would go to commercial. And it's like, uh, what? And then the other thing is we, none of the close family wanted to get interviewed. So they interviewed for this episode just random neighbors who we had never heard of who were like, oh, yeah, Christy and I were really close. And it's like, we've never once even heard your name. Like, we don't know who you are. Um, so that was fun. Is she in prison right now? Yeah. Yeah. She do like a... Go visit her and do like a live podcast. I should. <laughs> <laughs> how are things in How are things in jail? Um, now she tried to contact us a, mo- a bunch of times too. Like she would, and then uh, the one letter that she sent was like, "I always learned that family was supposed to stick together." <laughs> and it's like you killed your, your mom. That's like the out clause on family sticking yeah, together. Yeah, we're just going to break that deal. Yeah. Is she like ever going to get out? No. Or she's in prison for life? Yeah, they were going to try they were going to uh, try her as a capital case, but we were like, no, let's just we don't want to go through all the appeals. Let's just, you know, give her a plea deal so she'll get life and be done with it. And that's what happened. So I've never like went to trial. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, silver linings. But uh, like you know, this for me, this was a really difficult part of my life. Just because, like, I was in school, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I was uh, I, pretty close to graduating with a political science degree. Gonna be a lawyer. Was going through like an internship that I hated. Uh, it's just office work and and law just doesn't appeal to me, and so I was not happy. And uh, that whole thing happened, and uh, it just it crushed me. On, you know, I was already low, so like, I, and then I got a DUI. And then, like, were you close with that butcher knife? Uh, <laughs> oh my god! I had never met it, <laughs> so I couldn't be. So it's like that, like neighbor, like yeah, neighbor. like we couldn't even get it back once really? it's evidence. Like, come on, that's like a how are you gonna sell that set with a missing piece? Yeah, it's <laughs> it was the miracle blade. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! No. Uh, and and that's what got me through is just being able to laugh at the the stupid shit like um, at the funeral. I mean, it was something as simple as noticing that the first three letters in funeral are F U N. You know, right? Just going from that and just being able to laugh about it. Was she like, at her mom's funeral? No, because <laughs> like you can go to like your close family member's funeral. You just show up and like dress clothes and like you're escorted by like I think like police and that's just awkward yeah no I don't think you're allowed to show up to the funeral if you're the one that did it <laughs> like had sure been tried 
Oh, uh, she no, confessed. No. Sorry, never mind. No, she already confessed, yeah. <clears throat> so no, she hadn't been tried at that point. I saw someone post on Facebook one time about like their dad's funeral, and she's like so upset. She's like, everyone has to make it by themselves. So you can't go. Just don't come. And like, I didn't really know what she meant. But what I hope she meant was was that someone Skyped in. <laughs> it was just like, what? Every few minutes. <laughs> like, hey, she gets like like one of the little kids like, hey, can you push me up to the casket, please? <laughs> just like it's like a like a monitor, like like one of those like school things. And it's like a cart. Yeah. Here with, with a VCR on it. <laughs> here, lift me up. I can't. Here, tilt me forward. No, show, no, the other way. Show me the body, please. I want to be. I'm, it's like I'm here, right? It's like I'm here. Hold on, I'm glitching. Uh, that's. <laughs> this is all like fiction. I don't know what that post meant, but I feel like what else could it be? Like if you couldn't be there, but you were there, and but you make by yourself. Like, did you make a phone call? I don't. So what are what are? <laughs> I mean, that's one new way to to look at the stuff. Bringing technology to a funeral. I like to compare funerals to weddings um, in mind just because, like, one you get an invitation for, the other one, like, if you got to save the date for a funeral, you know, that's <laughs> kind of, that's awkward. No, there are uh, there, there are a number of ways to be able to, to laugh at this, though. I mean, yeah, it's just whatever works for each individual person. And uh, I found a couple of clips online of other comedians joking about, cool. uh, about death and... Uh, how it impacted them. And one is, uh, God, this is from Dan Soder's recent HBO special. And it's uh, just setting this up. Uh, he talks a lot about how he's white trash and how uh, his dad died. And uh, that's all you really need is a setup, honestly. So here's Dan Soder. I think, uh, I think you should use dark humor to laugh at the shit in your own life that hurts. I think that's the best use for humor in general. Is just make fun of the shit in your life that sucks. And it, it helps. It doesn't solve it. But it alleviates it. If you make fun of the darkest shit in your life, I promise you, it's just a drop a lube <laughs> in a butt fucking of a life. <laughs> I love doing dead dad jokes. My dad's dead. People with dead dads love dead dad jokes. You know who doesn't like dead dad jokes, surprisingly? People with living dads. <laughs> Greedy assholes. You're like, yeah, you're talking about my papa. Like, Shut up. Shut up, it's fucking fine. <laughs> if you have a dead parent, you know what I'm talking about. The second you bring it up to someone that doesn't have a dead parent, they get weird as fuck. It's not their fault. They just don't know how to handle that. So they just get like, ah, they, they end up just launching sympathy at you that feels way out of place. When they find out, they're like, no! You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> what, do they owe you money? What's up? Like, I don't understand that. I don't understand why you're sad about something that you've never... Like, I tell people all the time, my dad died of drinking when I was 14. And immediately, people are like, that is terrible. You don't know him. He was a Jimmy Buffett fan. That's exactly what he wanted. Cirrhosis is the parent head way out. My dad literally wasted away in Margaritaville. What are you sad about? You didn't fight. He's not your dad. I, still, I don't understand why his alcoholism is always supposed to be sad. When I tell people he was an alcoholic. They're like, did he steal your food money and spend it on his hooch? No, he was just fun. I'm sorry that my dad partied so hard he died from it? What's up, Gary? I think your living dads are a bunch of nerds. Staying alive your whole life? Fucking geeks. I'm going to be there when you turn into a man. Beat it, dork! <laughs> Go steal some rum. Disappear for a couple years. Make me interesting. All that's so fucking true. I'm sure you get it all the time, right? Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't like to bring up like my parents' death as like a topic of discussion. <laughs> it's not how you introduce yourself to people at parties. No. I mean, it does come up sometimes. I, I don't know. It didn't really register as a kid. It got really rough when I was 20, but now I'm better. So. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, being able to laugh at it plays a big role and you're moving on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously. It's good, man. It's therapeutic. Yeah, Thanks. absolutely. 
Absolutely it is. Uh, I love how he frames, like, well, first of all, people who don't like dead dad jokes don't have dead dads. Like, yeah. that's, that's a great angle on it. Like that woman who, like, yelled at me at the Youngstown show. Like, she was talking about her friend that had dead parents and not her. Right. Right. Like, why didn't your friend come and approach me about it if she, you know, if it really was that emotionally just disruptive uh and then i like how he makes his dad almost unlikable <laughs> so it's like okay that he died but the ways like make him unlikable it's not like in a vicious way it's like he was a jimmy buffett fan yeah like he died in margaritaville yeah he literally wasted away in margaritaville that's such a good line it's such yeah. a good way to to bring people that were kind of, i feel like that is the line that brings people who are on the fence about the joke in yeah it's like, oh, it's okay to laugh at this. I mean, it probably wasn't a margarita. It was probably straight out of the bottle, but, you know, yeah. same yeah. difference. Still. Um, yeah. And uh, he later goes on. The, the joke continues, uh, and I love the way he finishes it. I don't even know if my dad is actually dead. This is some shit my grandma told me. <laughs> you guys just got white trash and make Shyamalan. <laughs> Twisted. No, he's dead. He's in the dirt. We, uh, we have the paperwork. <laughs> Do you know there's levels of dead dad? I didn't know that. Like degrees of a black belt? <laughs> like, like when my dad was alive, he wasn't around, so I was always jealous of kids whose dads were around. Then my dad died. Then I got jealous of kids with better dead dads. <laughs> I've lived in New York the last 13 years. I have multiple friends whose dads died saving people in 9-11. Top shelf dead dad. That is premium American hero dead dad. My dad died drinking next to a lake. He relaxed to death. Bottom shelf dead dad. Dude, my friend's dad's probably said something heroic, you know? They're like, we need to save those people. My dad's last words were like, I like mine with ladies at the end. Get close to the I don't even believe in death. I think it's just another form of consciousness. All right, and then he gets meta and talks about aliens, but it's, it's such a good chunk. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. Um, that reminds me of a story that happened when he says grandma told him all this. A couple years ago, I was performing at the Funny Stop. And then, like, after I got on, my cousin, who I hadn't seen in, like, a couple years, showed up. And uh, she was with five of her friends. And then they show up late to the show. She's, like, text me she was here. She tried to get in free saying she knew me with five of her friends. They ordered, like, drinks and food, and they, like, walked out on their tab. <sighs> but in between that, uh, she came up to the bar part of the funny stuff. We're all hanging out. She's, like, really drunk, and she's, like, on me, like, hugging me. And people are like, is this your girlfriend? I'm like, no, this is my cousin. And then, like, she tries to light up a cigarette at the bar and drops it. I take her outside, and she was like, hey, Brett, I'm sorry to tell you this, but uh, Grandpa's dead. He died last week. His funeral was today. We tried getting a hold of you, but no one had your number. Jesus. Eight months later, I was at an open mic, I remember, and I get a message on Facebook from Aunt Susie, and she's like, hey, Grandpa has a Christmas card for you. He didn't know how to give it to you. Uh, he doesn't know your address or have your number, and like, here's Grandpa's number. I started texting my Grandpa, and I was like, my cousin lied about my Grandpa being dead. <laughs> And for eight months, you were just like, my grandpa's dead. Yeah, I told some of my family, because I was my mom's side of the family. I told like people on my dad's side, and like they were mad. And they like, we're sorry that happened to you. Jesus. Yeah, and then <clears throat> he lives with my Aunt Susie right now. And I tried like meeting him, but like the only days that were, I don't think she wanted me to come into her house because she's like really uptight. And like the only days. Um, that uh, she was available would be Sundays 
and we would meet we're supposed to meet somewhere at restaurants and like we just, could just never go to her house like i come over sick no let's meet at pf chang's <laughs> and then like for like a, a, over a month it was like grandpa's really sick or grandpa's tired it's either he's really tired from church or he was so sick he didn't even go to church today <laughs> okay church is exhausting that's the hardest thing you do is shake people's hands. Yeah, right. Well, you have to stand and sit and kneel and stand and sit and kneel. That's cardio. It depends what church, because I never did kneel, because I never went to a Catholic church. We would stand up at the beginning. The band would play like three songs. Then we'd do a prayer. The band would play like a slower song. The pastor would come on and talk for like half an hour, and then we'd close with a few songs and go home. That's exhausting. I got tired listening to you <laughs> oh hell yeah um so alright that would be a messed up way to if your grandpa was actually dead like are, are you happier that <laughs> he's still with us yeah but not the thought of I really need to see him soon and like I don't it's just like weird cause like now I'm gonna have to go through him dying all over again <laughs> you know fun fact but the uh the night that I found out my ex-girlfriend died, this was like five months after we broke up or whatever, and she, uh, I was in the middle of hosting a show when I found out. So I had to go back up there and pretend I was happy. And like, or like not shocked or whatever. I was, I was, me, I was the host, Brian Kenny and Mary Santora, we did a show in Worcester for, I forgot who, but uh, forgot his name, Jeremy Rowland. And, uh, I remember him. Yeah, and I had, we even, at the end, we even took pictures, and I had to just smile in a picture, and it was just like, someone just died, like, I can't do that, I want to go home. And, it, yeah, it was really weird. Let's see if I can find the picture. <laughs> it doesn't matter, I don't want to bring it up. But it's like, hey, who's having fun tonight? You guys having fun? I was just like, hey, <laughs> I'm in a photo. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Then I had to do hilarities the very next day, uh, the showcase they used to do on Saturdays. Oh, prime time! Yeah, and I actually did really well. Like I was able to just, I got like mega mega high, which is like my state for the next three months was just getting super high every day. I didn't really drink. I didn't have a super big problem drinking. Luckily, I didn't like turn to drinking. It probably would have gotten really bad. But so yeah, that was weird. I, and I got exponentially better at comedy because I didn't I wasn't as insecure as I had used to be because I was just so I was just so appreciative of being alive mm. and so I was just like nothing matters anymore like I can do anything like it was very freeing it was a good thing still kind of fucked me up though like I still had like a lot of anxiety you crossed the line this is a bit by Lori Kilmartin um, it is on her dead, uh, well, she does a bit about how her wrong parent died, <laughs> about how her dad died and not her mom. Um, but this is a little bit at the end cause we're, I mean, we're always looking for fresh ways to, to joke about this kind of thing. Yeah. And I think this is a great angle on death. So Lori Kilmartin, uh, off of her album, 45 jokes about my dead dad. It's so strange that you can keep ashes and no one thinks it's weird. I mean, that is a physical piece of your loved one, is their ashes. You know, you can wear them, you can keep them, it's totally acceptable. But bones, <laughs> not acceptable. <laughs> I don't know why. It seems like it would be the coolest thing in the world to have your loved one's bones. <laughs> I'd love to wear bones. Why do we let murderers have all the fun? I'd love to wear a neck around my neck. A neck necklace, how meta is that? <laughs> People will be like, that is so pretty. And you could be like, thank you, it belonged to my grandmother. That's great. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but not bones, like. It's, I mean, it's it's a good angle on it because like we do keep ashes around. Yeah. Why can't I keep like grandma just <laughs> her bones up? I saw an old woman's skull once. Yeah. At my friend Derek's house in Chicago it was really weird. 
Was it his grandma's? He was like, he was like, no, it belonged to some old lady. I'm like, sure. Uh, it was a really tiny skull mm. with no jaw. And I was like, why does he have it? it? He's an artist. <laughs> Explains enough. Oh, okay. He's the guy that did Macklemore's artwork for his album, which oh. I don't like Macklemore, but that's just his claim to fame. Okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> he worked at Sub Pop Records. He's a hipster. Well, uh, he, I think you have to be a hipster to have a skull, a, a skull, an old lady skull. Yeah, he does like Hamlet or whatever. Yeah. Or, what, what is it? It's Hamlet. Hamlet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you think? Do you think she's happy where she's buried? <laughs> I mean, the rest of her the loft apartment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah. Think she's like decapitated. Well, that, ISIS. That it was ISIS. It was ISIS. Yeah. <laughs> it was G. Jihadi John, who oh, sounds yeah. just like Ali G. Jesus. Um, no, I love the, the introduction of like bones being unacceptable to have, but you can keep people's ashes. Uh, it's, a, it's a fresh take on the, on the whole topic. It's just like, because we do weird things. I mean, we've always had weird rituals for death, like the Egyptians, you know, I mean, burying people with their riches so they can have it in the afterlife. There's like a lot of weird ones, like, uh, and I think somewhere in Egyptian times they would just have mass graves mm-hmm. to save space. Also, <coughs> during the tuberculosis outbreak of the of like 1918, there's a giant park. There's a park in Akron where it was recently discovered that there's just dozens of bodies underneath of it. What park? Schneider Park. It's right by Saint Sebastian. Too bad Marty's not here. TB or not TB? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holding that lady's skull. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about catacombs. But, yeah, there's there's the mass grave there, and they're, like, you can kind of see it if you fly, like, from satellite images. Like, the disturbance to where, like, yeah. That's how, like, if you, like, dig a grave, like, it's, they're so easy to find because you can just see the disturbance in, like, the ground. Like, it takes a while for it to even look like nothing was there. Have you been checking, checking back on the one that you dug? Yeah. I mean, the least you can do is put, like, leaves back over and shit. But, like, still, because, like, when you, like, dig out dirt, like, it's, like, compacted. But then it, like, kind of, like, expands and, like, it loosens up and stuff. If you half-ass a grave, that's just really shallow of you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you got to be deep if you're going to... Right. Unless they're kids, sure. then it's fun. <laughs> then it's fun? Mm-hmm. You it heard is. me. No, it is. <laughs> it's so hard to get rid of a dead body with no evidence because even if you bury someone in a grave, their DNA is still in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Right. It's and if like you try using like chemical waste, like acid, like Jeffrey Dahmer, it's gonna stink. Like there's no good way to get rid of a body. You can burn them like Darth Vader. When you have to like burn the dead body, you also have to break up all the teeth and you have to grind the bones because like if they like a popular thing is is to like look at dental records but also like they can carbon date stuff and if like the bones are the size of like a woman or man that was killed around that time they can like kind of guesstimate so you have to grind up the bones and just spread them because they have dental records like in anthropology they will find teeth that are preserved they're not even fossilized if they're from like a hundred thousand years ago and because teeth are so dense that they just don't break down and, you know, they used dentition to figure out what, what, who it was and where it came from. That's crazy to me. I think yeah. the fastest thing that decomposes teeth is probably pop. Yeah. Yeah, right. Just That's pour Fago all over it and yeah. it'll go bye-bye. <laughs> we found these 10,000-year-old teeth. Let's see how they respond. <laughs> you won't find ju- juggalos in the, in the fossil record. No. <laughs> Nor would you want to. No. Well, I mean... Ancient cultures didn't use laughter like we do now. There was no benefit in it. Like in the Bible, the only laughing is done to scorn somebody. Like very rarely is there laughing because of a celebratory reason. So I feel like, and then like the ancient Greeks believed that laughter was the sign of a of a brute. You know, it wasn't sophisticated. Really, they I wrestled naked. They should shut the fuck up. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Let's wrestle naked. Don't laugh though. 
No laughing. Why would they wrestle naked for? It's it's manly. It's manly, and it normalizes child sex slavery. So Which was normal. That was Roman, but it's all the same. Yeah. I'm sure they were all just child monsters. Greco-Roman. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yep. So it all it all adds up. The soldiers would have like little boys as their like sex toys. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> that was normal. Awkward. Um. Yeah. I mean, we do. We leave like memorials. And stuff when people die, like when there's a car accident, you'll leave flowers where where it happened. And I I wouldn't want them to do that. Like where I died, that has nothing to do with any of my life. Why are you gonna drive by this spot every time and think, well, that's where the person we really like died? I don't I don't understand those those memorials there. Yeah, people just need to stop holding on to the past. Put it put it where I enjoyed spending my time. Like you know, if you're gonna memorialize me put flowers and shit on a stage that's where that's where I like to be um, and Daniel Tosh has a bit that kind of goes along with the same topic yes uh, that Brett just told me about and I listened to 20 seconds and I was like yeah we're gonna play this on this show that's for sure so here it is this is off of his album uh, Happy Thoughts it is track 8 and it is titled 8 <laughs> a little girl was killed in my neighborhood recently uh, which is sad but it happens. Not usually in white neighborhoods, but it happens. I think there's a pie chart that proves that somewhere. Small sliver, safer. She was killed on a street where people have been complaining for years that cars drive too fast. So reactive in nature as everyone is, after the horrible accident, they had a bunch of speed bumps put in. And I thought, wow, what a horrible way for their family to remember every time they drive down that road. Your mother and I miss you so much. But you are really doing a number on our suspension. (laughs) I told you we should have leased this car. Even in the afterlife, she makes us fight. Good riddance. (laughs) You see what happened there? In the beginning of this made-up story, you felt bad for the family. Now at the end, you realize they weren't fit parents to begin with. (laughs) We've all grown. That's great. Move on to some nonfiction. Move on to some nonfiction. <laughs> yeah, that guy's great. That that was just that's an excellently structured joke. What I love about it is, is it takes something like like the speed bumps. I like how he addresses how people are reactive in nature because a lot of people do base things off emotion and fear, like we talked about before the podcast. But like he, it's kind of like misplaced focus. Like no one would think that like. Like driving their speed bumps, like the family has to remember that every time they go over them. Just taking that part about the speed bumps is like really hilarious to me. Yeah. It is, yeah. That's the crux of it for sure. It's a really funny joke. And it's also layered too because it's like her, th- your daughter got hit by a car. So every time you go over a speed bump, is that what it was like? Inconvenient. You, know? you want to yeah. go faster. <laughs> or just, yeah. And then he and then he jokes about the suspension. Like it's, it's the joke reveals more and more with each punchline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's really well-crafted in that sense, where it's just like, oh, these are bad parents. And then he also mentions that it's a fake story. You crossed the line. If you ever watch the show, I think you should leave. Have you guys both watched that? Is that on Netflix? Yeah. I have not. It's a sketch show. Have you, you, you've seen it, Steve, haven't you? Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a sketch where it's at a funeral... And uh, the regular organ player is replaced by, um, God, who's, what's the actor's name? Oh, man. Dude, I remember this. I just can't remember. And, and he's on one of those, like, wacky, like, he, the, the music, instead of typical organ music, is, like, wacky sound effects. Really? And he's, like, breaking plates. <laughs> and it's, it's so funny. It's, oh, what's is it, like, an old whorehouse? Is that what it was, or am I thinking of something else? No, the okay. uh, like a, like a saloon whorehouse. Or no, it's about? it's an actual funeral. Oh, funeral. Sorry, I, I'm thinking of something completely different. Yeah, funeral and whorehouse, all the same to me. Yeah. Um, God, I forget the actor's name, but that's not important. The point is, they they took like a, a funeral sketch and uh, turned it into something like wacky, just for just by including like a wacky instrument, um, sound effects, and breaking plates. Uh, I wrote a sketch where um, it's a funeral director, and he's got to break the news to the family 
uh, on the day of the funeral that the crematorium broke down. So their mom is only 77% cremated. And we can't fit her in the urn, what's left of her, but, you know, we have all these things that we left lying around. Like there's a shoebox, there's a, there's a, uh, like a magic, um, you know, the, one of those boxes that you put your assistant in to saw them in half. And that's how the sketch ends. Oh, mom loved magic. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Yep. 23% mom. It's just because at first the audience is like, oh, this is dark. But then as, as the sketch progresses, like. Uh, the employees of the uh, of the funeral home come in and like like <laughs> dust like there's a dustpan full of ashes. <laughs> you can take the carbon byproduct and turn it into a diamond. Now, did you know that? Yes, I have seen that. And That's one way to make do a it. ring, really, or something, or a necklace. This is mom. Mom. Mom was on my ring on my finger. It's a diamond in the rough. Mm, man, that there are so many different directions you could go with that. All right, so with comedy, like comedy essentially is just making connections. Right? Yeah. You know, you make a joke, uh, you're you're creating a connection between the setup and the punchline. You're creating connections with the audience. You're relating to them. Um, so when it comes to joking about something that's a little bit darker, a little bit more macabre, uh, like death, as far as like your process goes, have you found it easier to just go right into it to set it up with? Not as dark jokes, but kind of heading in that direction? Or are you just like, I'm about to get dark and just explicitly say it? Because I love when that joke works. It's It crushes. So what I like to do is um, I like to get the crowd on my side uh, by just doing like lighthearted jokes. And then I just like, okay, I'm going to throw a dark joke. And if it goes well, I'm just going to keep being dark. And... Yeah, so I usually go full force into being dark. And uh, I feel like a good way to make a connection with the audience is, is make it silly. Because his death is like a depressing topic. And so you just talk about death, it's depressing. But if like, you have like an angle on it, like Dan Soder or Lauren Kilmartin or Lori Kilmartin or Daniel Tosh, like that's what's funny about it. Like the person being dead is not funny, but this is funny about why they're dead. Or like what what we do about it once they are dead. Yeah, it's funny. It's not about them being dead. That's funny, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's like it's like the subplot. Right. They need to be dead for the joke. They need to be dead. I, but but that's not what's funny. Yeah. I think one re- relevant thing we could talk about about talking about death and about how some audiences are turned off by dark material. Is a Dan O'Shannon has a, a video on how the comedic event works, like where you know jokes why they why they kill, or why they may not be as good, even though they're funny. There's all these factors that come into play, and so when you do dark jokes, there's a lot of things that you're killing off in the uh, in the process of going from premise to punchline. You're losing a lot of these criteria that, and actually doing the opposite of like getting them on your side or get like like you said where you have to psychologically get them on your side before you even do the joke that way the joke will still work and yeah there's like a whole thing on it yeah like if they hate you they're not gonna like your dark jokes they're just they don't like you they're gonna hate you yeah they're they're gonna leave feeling worse than they did when they got there which is not the goal no (laughs) no no come to my comedy show you'll feel terrible you can't laugh at that all right, we're gonna have to wrap up uh, quick uh, in, in the near future here. But um, as far as kind of a, uh, a general consensus on how to close the show, on you know how we can laugh at death, uh, number one, to make that connection. You know, I mean that's that's the one thing that we all have in common, and we all deal with it differently. And uh, kind of joking about how we deal with it is a good way to. To make that connection, because we've all done silly things. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's immediately trying to find the funny, or or you know, smoking or drinking or whatever, getting a DUI, uh, and that's shit that can be joked about. Death is a very real part of our of our human experience, mm-hmm. and, uh, and to be able to laugh at it is it almost. Like gives you power over it. 
Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I've, it, it helps. That's how it helped me, though. It's like, if I can laugh at this, I can get past it. Laughing! Brett, anything uh, anything else you wanted to add to our conversation here today? Any questions or topics of interest? No, just death happens. Any tips to newer comedians who are trying to write a joke about death? Make it goofy and absurd. Let's make sure, like, the punchline is not them being dead. Right. That is a uh, very... Uh way but yeah i do have jokes about um like my friend's parents always saying that like i'm like a second mom to you you're part of this family but then like when it really comes down to it i'm not like we go to the mall and they give their son money for clothes but me it's just you know not that money matters but you know or like they'd take family photos like or you're, you're part of this family but not really it's just like all transparent talk their heart's in the right place but it's just, there's like a natural instinct. <clears throat> uh, I notice this a lot. And uh, there's like a natural instinct that like you have with your parents that you can have with no one else. And like when I'm out, especially like at restaurants, it could be Taco Bell, it could be like Longhorn. I like to see family dynamics and stuff and just see how families interact. Personally, I wouldn't want a family. I, like, I don't know. I'd like to get married one day, maybe, but probably. But I don't know if I want to have kids. And it's just because, like, I'm really lazy. Like, I can barely wake up and get myself to work on time, let alone kids. Yeah, you're still young. I'd be too stressed out, and that's why I don't want to be a dad. Yeah. Yeah, I have too many things that I, that I want to work on that are I, fun for me and, like, I don't know. Maybe one day I'll just be like, I'm bored. I should have a kid. But like probably I'd, not. And then devote the next 20 years of my life to that. I like how we're ending this podcast on death about creating life. It's like 9-11 jokes. But when, when we're talking about talking about death and stuff, don't, you know, 9-11 jokes can be funny as long as they're not like, uh, the time that they can be really stupid is when you're like making fun of people dying. Yeah. Rather than everything around the event mm-hmm. itself. You cross the line. Be wow. funnier. That is a hot tip yeah. that I would have to give out. For sure. And don't take anything personal. Like, we're not, like, out to blackball you if you don't get on. Right. right. We're not, like, out to get you and hold you down from becoming better than us because you probably won't be anyway. Boom. No, actually, I, I, I want you to be better than us. <laughs> I'd like to see you try to be better than us. I like, yeah. I like watching good comedy. And so if I can get off stage and the person after me be funnier than me, that makes me happy. Makes me sick. Put in the work, <laughs> read books on writing comedy if you need to. There's yeah. plenty that explain But constantly better yourself. That's yeah. that's why I, I love, like, my favorite thing in comedy is to watch a comic bomb and then come back months later with the same premise but have reworked it to the point where it's <clears> funny. Yep. that's my that's my favorite. Or what if like, they bomb and like a few months a few months later like they're working and they just bomb again? It's it's a process, man. And they just keep bombing and they never do well. And then I won't book them. It's the definition of insanity. <laughs> yeah, it's like change something, change your writing process, change something. I feel yeah. like I got really mean. Well, there are, there are people who do that. It, you know, just like in any profession, there are people who do that. There are people who just constantly apply themselves, or people who. Uh, just like no, this is. If it's this. like me, it's just only going to serve as motivation for them to be criticized. That makes me so much better. When someone says I suck, then I get better. Yeah, tell me I'm garbage. I know. I know when I have a bad set. I'll prove uh, people wrong. I'm not going to get off stage and be like that went great. Like no, it yeah. didn't. Complacency and your own self delusions are not going to make you funnier. Mm-mm. Work on self awareness. Yes, and that's how you write better death jokes. Right. All right, Brett. Social media, where can we find you? On Instagram at BrettThomas1896. It's a good year. Yeah. It's a great year. Uh, do you have a Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> it's at BrettThomas2. Just two? The number two? Yeah. You're you're only the second Brett Thomas? I mean, I think they gave up after, like, Brett Thomas was taken, so they just did something like Brett Thomas sixty nine or or Brett Thomas Jeep Edge Lord. The only reason I said Jeep was because I'm looking at a Jeep right now out the window. 
Are you just seeing things and saying them? Beep, beep. Cool. Who's got the keys to the Jeep? <laughs> Steve? Anything? At Steve Mers on Instagram, at Steven Mers on Twitter. And uh, I'm, I'm always the same. I'm just the David Horning. Uh, that's the end of our show today. We hope you learned a little bit about how to make death funny. Uh, lean into that shit. Be silly. Get on stage, uh, even if you're not a comedian. Farewell. <laughs> yeah. Fare thee well. Uh, happy holidays. Whatever holiday it is when this comes out, enjoy that holiday. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Kwanzaa 2020. If you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod or like us on Facebook at You Can't Laugh at That and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right. Bye.